Are you a veteran who is struggling with their housing due to COVID-19? Veterans Inc. can help provide support services, including assistance with rent, deposits, utilities, as well as emergency housing to eligible struggling veterans. If you or someone you know is in need of services, please call 1-800-482-2565 or go online to www.veteransinc.org. WBCALP 102.9 FM Boston. Hello, hello. You're listening to Never Give Up, where giving up is not an option. I'm your host, Rochelle Jones. We thank you for listening in today. Uh, today, we want to kind of talk around the theme, Never Saw It Coming. What happens when things happen in your life that you didn't see coming? We want to define that as an ambush. And the reason why we call it an ambush, because when I was researching the definition of ambush, it's a, the state of lying concealed for the purpose of attacking by surprise. Sometimes things happen in your life that you didn't even perceive, expect. It happened by surprise. The actual goal of was to, to trick you, um, <clears throat> to draw you in, and basically to stop you. Sometimes an ambush isn't because they some, somebody wants something kind. It's normally to kill you, to destroy you, to slow you down, to affect you negatively. And so my, my question is, have you ever been ambushed in your life? You know, just think about it. Could have been on the job. It could have been uh, in a relationship. You never saw the fact that they were going to break up with you. You never saw it coming. Uh, it could also be you, you're in the house and, um, or you're coming home from work and your spouse greets you with an ambush, angry, frustrated. Um, so, you know, uh, it's never uh, a good feeling to be ambushed because you're not ready for it. It catches you off guard, you know. So let's, let's just think about it. An ambush is kind of a sneak attack. It's a setup, a trap, right, to kill you. And I'm not saying it, it, it's, it's, it's something by accident. No, you didn't know it was coming. And so we want to kind of talk about some things and what the Bible uh, says and how it can help set us up, you know, for uh, success. You know, some situations are happening in your life because of the choices you've made. But some things are happening in your life because of an ambush. It was a setup by the devil to take you out, to take you down. And so because our theme is, you know, never give up, where giving up should not be an option, you know, what happens when you're ambushed and you're left for dead? Well, I, I wanted to just share some scripture with you to kind of let you know about how the Bible warns us of ambushes. In Jeremiah 5, 26, it says, For among my people are found wicked men. They lie in wait as one who sets snares. They set a trap. They catch men and women and girls and boys. Uh, so uh, it's someone who is waiting to take you down. Uh, we look at um, when... Samson in Judges 6-2, it says uh, the Samson has come here 
and they surrounded the place and set an ambush. They laid and waited for him all night at the gate of the city. They kept quiet all night, saying, Let us wait till the light of the morning, then we will kill him. So they were setting up an ambush for Samson. And one thing about an, an ambush is they're not making noise because they don't want to uh, alert you to the danger that's about to take place and happen. That's why it's so essential to have a prayer life because the Bible says that God would warn us of the dangers to come. And that's what we want. We need a God who's able to see us now and our future, where we're heading, who has a plan for our life because he's helped us to navigate away from ambushes in our life. Uh, we see in Isaiah 32 and 7, the weapons of the scoundrel, which scoundrel can be interpreted as a trickster or a swindler, someone dishonest, are destructive. He hatches plots to destroy the poor with lies, even when the plea of the needy is just. Wow. Be careful of the scoundrels, those swindlers, dishonest people. You know that we need to pray, Lord, give us a strong sense of discernment. Sharpen our ears, give us wisdom that even though someone's talking nice, a lot of times our intuition, our spirit man is on alert. And we have to get to a place, people, where we stop overriding the, the, the signs when the Holy Spirit is trying to alert us to danger. Oh, that's just my cousin Lucy. Oh, he's my friend. Not if he's trying to lure you into an ambush or lure you into doing something that you know in your heart you don't want to do or it's not the right thing to do. And so sometimes, you know, we have to be careful. Sometimes we're being warned and we override them. <clears throat> I'm going to give you two more. Jeremiah 5 and 26. And it says, for among my people are found, oh, wicked men. Oh, I read that already. I'm so sorry. Let's look at Romans 7 and 21. I find, therefore, the law of my nature to be that when I desire to do what is right, evil is lying in ambush for me. <laughs> Reminds me, you know, when uh, as like. Paul said it, and, you know, in other translations, you know, I try to do good, but evil's always present. I, I want to say not only in the Word of God do we see ambush, but even in the animal kingdom, we also are alluded to ambushes by the animals, right? Uh, different species of animals set up sometimes an ambush to kill its prey. And uh, one... Psalm 10 and 9 says, he lies in wait like a lion in a thicket. He lurks to seize the oppressed. He catches the lowly in his net. The lion hiding in the thicket of the bushes, lurking to seize that that is weak, that is slow, that he's able to, to catch. 
uh, one of the um, species is the Nile crocodile. They say that the crocodile will just sit and wait for hours for the perfect moment to attack. (laughs) Very patient, huh? And then the leopard is one of the stealthiest species. They will stay out of sight, unaware to its prey that they are in pursuit. And they will stay out of sight. They'll perch up in treetops. They'll hide in the thick bushes, all to conquer its prey, to devour, to eat, to kill. I thank the Lord that he said, "Mm, no weapon formed against me shall prosper. That's the faith aspect we get to stand on, amen? But when we're in an ambush, right, the Lord's showing us through Scripture, through the animal kingdom. We also hear about military um, strategies. Uh, Ambushes are used to win wars, right? And remember, you don't always see it coming. But we have to be ready for certain types of ambushes and attacks. We have to be ready for the things that are designed to catch us off guard, right? So we, 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 we don't give up. We don't, we don't you know, um, fall to pieces. We don't get anxious. We don't walk in fear. We just be prepared, ready for the things that are trying to catch us off guard. We'll be ready for the things that are designed to destroy you. Be ready for the things that are designed to try to steal your faith, to snatch your fruit, to annihilate your faithfulness, to kill your purpose and the plan that God has for your life. These ambushes and storms can be used also to teach us lessons, to teach ourselves something about God, about the enemy, and about ourselves. It can teach us how to turn these ambushments, these traps, setups into miraculous opportunities. It can help us become triumphant, victorious overcomers. We have to remember the word that says what the enemy has meant for your destruction. God will turn it around for your good. It's very hard to have your foot in a trap. (laughs) Just think of a bear trap. And, and it just snaps on your leg. Imagine, it's hard in that trap that you're in to think that good is coming out of this. But I'm telling you, that's in the midst of our pain. We have to trust and believe the word of God that God good is coming out of this. That um, it's going to work out for my good. Hold on. Don't give up. Don't even speak the words of defeat. But hold on and know that God is a very present help in a time of trouble. I think every every Sunday I'm going to try to say that scripture because it's true. That sometimes we don't always know that the, the victor has come and saved the day. Sometimes we forget to give God credit or to give him the glory. We know that our backs was against the wall and that we had no way out. And yet here we are to see another day. 
Sometimes in the midst of it, we have to throw our hands up and say, God, I thank you. I give you the praise because if it had not been for you on my side, where would I be? What would I have done? Where would I be now? Hallelujah. Well, let's look at, and when you're in the midst of an ambush, how do you overcome it? If you're out of the ambush, how do you maintain that level of faith? And I want to start by saying you have to be on guard, right? We have to be uh, always alert. We have to be watchful. There are things happening all around us. There are ambushes. Let's say, for instance, the ambush that happened in New York, Buffalo, New York. Somebody went to the store to get groceries that day and didn't return home. Ambushed by hatred, by violence. Hallelujah. So how do we stay watchful and on guard and on alert? Proverbs 4.23 tells us that we should guard our hearts with all diligence because out of it flows the issues of life. This scripture is implying that whatever we allow to enter our hearts, if we don't examine it, if we don't evaluate it properly, if it will undoubtedly be expressed in our everyday lives, and we will see it in our actions, whether positive or negative. We must evaluate things properly, not according to our flesh, but according to what God has said, how he has warned us. Hmm. He knows. The Bible says that he is the way, the truth, and the life. That he's been where we're trying to get to, so it's kind of best interest that we would follow and listen and obey his instructions. If you want to overcome the attacks, then you're going to have to do some things, right? What are some things I might have to do? Well, you might have to depend upon the strength of God. You might can't depend upon your own strength. The Bible tells us that in our weakness, he's strong. That when you're weak, he's the one who is able to guide you and lead you to victory, lead you to a safe spot. Hallelujah. Second Chronicles 20 and 15 says, And he said, Hearken ye all Judah, and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem, and thou King Jehoshaphat. Thus says the Lord unto you, Be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude, for the battle is not yours, but it's God's. Oftentimes we look at the multitude. We look at the circumstances or the things that are going around us going on around us. We listen to faithless people, people who have lost heart, have lost hope, and have lost their patient, passion. And we tend to gravitate towards like-minded thinking at the time. But I pray for a moment that the anointing of God would begin to break every yoke of bondage off of your life, that he would begin to open your eyes that you would see clear that ye would begin to give you hope again, that no matter how dark things may appear and look at the moment, that there is a way out. There is light at the end of the tunnel. Hallelujah. The battle is not yours. It is God's. Then if it's yours, God, then let me give it back to you. 
That's why he said you can cast your cares upon him, for he cares for you. You can cast your cares upon him and don't take them back. And if you find that you did, cast them again. Declare and decree. Speak over your life. Oh, my God. Right now, even as I'm speaking to you, I'm beginning to think about situations even in my own life. Things that, Lord, I forgot that I have power and authority, that I can speak over those things, that the angels hearken unto the voice of the Lord. And as I begin to speak by faith your word, the angels will begin to perform it. Father, we thank you, God, that you have made ways out of no ways. Oh, my. Hallelujah. Depending on God, he will override everything that we know about the situation, right? In order to hear God's direction so we can trust him completely. We have to depend on God. We have to trust him completely. Not just a little bit, but completely. Well, you know, people may debate what dependency really is. Like, how can we depend on God? But you have to remember that God is a spirit. He said, and we had to worship him in spirit and in truth. And sometimes we get that mixed up. But we have to depend, meaning that we have to rely and trust what he said. That we have to stand, and it may feel sometimes that you're alone. But then I pray that you would find a supporter that you would find somebody in the midst that has faith like yours and that will help you stand in the midst of this adversity that you're going through. This world is designed to make you trust things and people other than God for your survival. But we must trust God and Him alone. Oh, thank you for sending your son, Jesus. Because, you know, in... Acts 17, 28, and I always want to give you the reference to where I'm looking at. For in him we live and move and have our being, as certain also of our own poets have said, for we are also his offspring. Well, I think the portion of that scripture that we want to glean to is that it's in him we live and move and have our being. It's because of him. It's in Romans eleven thirty six. 36. It says, for of him and through him and to him are all things to whom be glory forever. What is that? Be the things that we do are for him and through him we are able to do it and we give it to him. And yet all things. God has created all things. All things. Hmm. Depending on God and not what things look like. There's an example in 2 Kings 6 and 17. When the servant uh, was very hmm, anxious at the fact that the army had surrounded them. They had come to kill Elisha. And I'm sorry, and Elisha prayed and said, Lord, I pray thee, open his eyes, that he may see. And the Lord opened the eyes of the young man, and he saw. And behold, the mountain was full of horses and chariots of fire surrounding the army that was there to attack 
Elisha. <laughs> he didn't depend on himself. He didn't depend on what he saw. But he said, Lord, I know you're there. But my, you know, my, my servant friend here, he, he's not quite sure. He doesn't see what I see. So, Lord, can you just open his eyes so that he might see? Hallelujah. And he, didn't, he, wasn't, he wasn't just surrounded by horses. Some, some translation says that he was surrounded full of horses and chariots of fire, the fire of God. Hallelujah. Another strategy that we could use in overcoming ambushes is sometimes we have to use reverse psychology. What do you mean? Well, I'm telling you that sometimes we just have to give God the praise in the midst of it, right? Sometimes we just have to lift up our hands and say, hey, Lord. <laughs> well, an example of that is in Acts 16, 25 and 32. And it says, well, at midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God, right? They were in prison, chained up. And normally when God does something, he does it for the whole house. So they were in the prison. They were chained up. Midnight came. Situation hadn't changed yet. They began to pray and praise God. And the prisoners heard them. But what I like, it says, and suddenly there was a great earthquake so that the foundations of the prison were shaken. And immediately all the doors were opened and everyone's bands, chains, were loosed, fallen off, powerful, that even bound, chained in the, in, the, in the prison cell. They have victory. You, you, as long as your mind has victory, you have victory. As long as you speak victory, you have victory. They didn't, they didn't say, oh, you know, it's so unfair that we've been thrown in this prison. We were, we were unjustly accused. They, they didn't go defending themselves. They didn't talk about their rotten conditions, how they probably were in the worst dungeon of them all. I'm pretty sure back in that day of Paul and Silas, the prisons aren't like they are today where they have uh, mesh halls and basketball and you get to go and uh, watch TV or you get to go to the canteen. Now they were chained to a wet dungeony wall. And yet they saw to it that they praised and, and prayed and sang praises to their God. That's the, that is the exact opposite of what you might be inclined to do at that moment. <laughs> is that not reverse psychology? Right? See, the devil isn't even worthy to, um, like, give him glory by saying anything that he's doing. I had a friend that had surgery on his foot. He had a nail in his foot, and he had surgery to remove it. And I remember we went to go visit, and, I mean, it took him a long time to come out. And we said, oh, Brother Mac. And he said, yep. He said, I took my time. I didn't want to limp. 
He said, because I don't even want to give the devil glory in limping. So he just took his time and walked, walked like the son of God that he is. Hallelujah. Are you ready for the suddenly? See, suddenly couldn't have come if they weren't in the right mindset and posture. And the posture at the time was to pray and to praise and to give God glory in the midst of that situation. And they were set free. And so much so, let me say, I could read on and it says, well, and the keeper of the prison, he woke up out of his sleep. And when he saw that the prison doors were open, he just knew it was over, right? So he he took out his sword that he would kill himself, supposing that all the prisoners had run away and fled and he knew he would be in trouble. But Paul cried out with a loud voice saying, do thyself no harm, for we are all here. Then he called for a light and sprang and, and came trembling and fell down before Paul and Silas and brought them out and said, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved, and thy house. And they spake unto him the word of the Lord and to all that were in his house. What an opportunity. That's what we were saying earlier that he will turn around what the enemy has meant for your destruction. Look here, not only were they set free, but they also were able to take this prison guard and not only set him free, but also his family. Wow. Hmm. Do thyself no harm. When we give up right in the midst of trying something, we lose hope or we get faint. You know, remember those words. Do thyself no harm. Don't give up. It'll be harmful not only for you, but even for your legacy for the next generation. We must get in the ready position, meaning I want to be ready for the suddenly. I want to be ready for the move that God is willing and able to take and make at any time. That means in the midst of the situation and the storm and the pain, I have to discipline myself to praise God anyhow and do myself no harm. As a man thinketh, so is he. So we've got to think right. We've got to think positive. We've got to think that we are able to do exceedingly and abundantly above all that we could ever ask or think. Once again, we're out of time. But I want to thank you for listening. Once again, you're listening to Never Give Up, where giving up is not an option. I'm your host, Rochelle Jones. And remember, as you go forth in this week, be watchful and prayerful. And remember, greatness is on the inside of you. God bless and have a good week.